Live with Ryan Reese. This is Live with Ryan Reese. Call now, 1-888-564-6173. Or post your questions using the hashtag LiveRyanReese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Yep, yep. Got two of my good friends in studio, but I'm really excited. Sean, I'm always excited that you're here, okay? Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm always excited. I, I want to say it out of the gates. But I'm really excited tonight that uh, we have Christian Desoy, friend, um, friend for, I don't know, we've, we've been friends probably like seven years, something like that. Man, ever since you got saved, right? So yeah, eight, Come on. eight years, exactly, eight Come years. On. I remember I was at the uh, the crew warehouse. I was skating one time, and you weren't a crew. You you just got out of jail, which we're going to talk about later on. So he's skating around, and I was just like, "That's Christian Asoy," because obviously, you know, well, dude, I've been looking up to you for you know. I grew up in the eighties skating. You know what I'm saying? So you guys are like you and and Lance and Cab and Tony Hawk and the, the whole the whole crew. I looked up to you guys skating at a young age. I started skating in 1982. That's when I was in second grade. I got a pipeline pass, and I lived out there. It was on and cracking. So then I see you later on. You know, I, actually, I started working for Circa, and I remember when I, right when I first started working for Circa, Chad Muska had boards out with your graphics on it to raise money to, you know, to help you out in, mm-hmm. in your situation. But we're gonna cool. get we're gonna get into all that all that good stuff. But what's important tonight is. Um, I know we know that you're a legend, uh, legendary skateboarder. You know you're, you ride for Vans. Uh, you got your own board company called uh, uh, Soy Boards. You just did a collaboration with uh, uh, Diamond Supply. You did a party out at the at the shop last week or the week before. You are out there doing your thing. You know, after you found God, you came back into the industry, and God's using you majorly. But tonight, I want to talk to you about where you came from. Because there's so many people that are listening, you know, people that are driving on the road right now. Maybe you're just driving down Las Vegas. We're live in Vegas. Maybe you're in Hawaii. Maybe you're in Miami. You, you know, you're getting ready to go out tonight. You know, it's 12 o'clock. So time those Miami people go out, right? Right. At least 12 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning, they, they start to go out. <laughs> yeah, they're getting ready to go <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah, they're right? like, I don't know. You think we should go out? You know, it's 2 or 3 in the morning, you know? <laughs> but if that's you, you need to tune in because we're going to talk about prison. We're going to talk about addiction. We're going to talk about money. We're talking about fame and many other things that Hasoy went through and came out of and, and even stuff that he's dealing with right now. But it's going to impact you tonight. So, Christian, let's just get let's just get into it, man. How did this whole skateboard career start? Give us a little rundown of your story to how you found Jesus. I mean, you know, I was just a normal kid, had big dreams, wanted to be Bruce Lee. You know, wanted to be the best in the world at something. I got introduced to skateboarding, and skateboarding became my outlet to 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 fulfilling those dreams of being the best in the world. And at like eight, nine years old, I set out to be that. And by the time I was 11, I got my first picture in Skateboarder Magazine, full-page color. I wasn't, you know, skating big bowls yet. I was just a local kid, and my father, Ivan Hosoy, was huge at, in, in Pivotal in my career because he saw how much I loved it and how much passion I had at it at 10 years old. And he's like, you want to do this every day? I'm like, I want to do this every day. And he's like, well, I'm not going to pay for this every day. So I'm going to manage the skate park and you'll be able to skate every single what city? day. Where was it? And that was Marina Del Rey skate park. Okay. So I grew up here in, in Hollywood, LA, mm-hmm. Venice beach. And that really set me on a course. And soon by the time I was 11, obviously I got that full page color 
Jay Adams, rest in peace. Shogo yeah. Kubo, rest in peace. Tony Alva became my mentors, and they mm-hmm. took me under their wing because from seeing them in the pictures in the magazine to all of a sudden going to the skate park and seeing them live, I was like, this mm-hmm. is like, you know, I, I, I want to be this. I, I want to be like them. And soon they became my big brothers, raised me, and kind of like, you know, guided me, took me under their wing. And being at Marina Del Rey Skate Park every single day, I mean, that fast-tracked me to where I wanted to be. So by the time I was 12 years old, Gold Cup Series, I won my first major, you know, amateur, basically world title at the time. Mm -hmm. And at 12 years old, dreams are starting to come true. All of a sudden, now I'm looking at the prize, like I want to turn pro. I want to, you know, I want to skate against the best in the world. And, 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 that's where it all started and you know when you start stuff it's always you know real innocent your intentions are to be the best in the world but along with that comes peer pressure now my idols were jay adams come on right they were living a (laughs) gnarly lifestyle jay adams was gnarly yeah i mean they're smoking weed drinking beer Uh quitting school you know acting like punks punk rock music came in in the late 70s early 80s and we had punk gigs my dad was putting on the germs fear punk gigs all at marina and you know, it was just the scene right then. Yep. So so for me, I was like, of course I'm going to smoke weed. Of course I'm going to drink beer. Of course I'm going to look for girls. And of course, dropping out of school because that's what what it takes to be like them. And sure enough, you know, you got to really be careful who you look up to because eventually you're going to follow in their footsteps, hmm. you know. True. And so for me, that happened to me. And so after, you know, the peer pressure of fitting in, you do whatever everybody else is doing to, to fit in. And that's the problem with our youth today. Oh, yeah. This generation, I mean, even adults have this problem. They fall into that trap of, you know, being cool. And next thing you know, they're doing things that they really don't want to do, but they know it's going to get them to a place where they think – is going to satisfy them. And that's where I was at. I was that kid. And pretty soon now I'm addicted to marijuana. I'm doing cocaine. I'm taking acid. I'm experimenting with ecstasy at what, you 13, know- 13. I was doing acid at 12 years old, mushrooms. Mm-hmm. I was take, doing cocaine at 14, mm-hmm. addicted to it at 15, quit at 17. I mean, and what's interesting about this is because how okay, what year was this in the eighties? Like, and the only reason why I quit was because I I thought I was going to have a heart attack and die, and then I ended up getting like third place at a contest, which I should have won. But me and Jay Adams stayed up all night, raging, didn't sleep, coke all night, got to the contest, skated the event, got third, and I was like, this ain't working for my career. And yeah. so those two things made this made me go you know what i need to change for those reasons you know and 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 get this i didn't grow up in church i never read a bible yeah so for me it was just like you know what this isn't going to help my career so i'm going to quit and i'm not going to do drugs anymore and and it's so funny i was like i'm just going to smoke weed and drink beer now and take drugs once in a while and that was my idea of quitting Mm-hmm. Now, now, I'd say this I think because we did that same thing many yeah. times too. That kind of idea. You know what? Things are getting a little too crazy, a little bit too much coke, a little too much meth. Right? Let's just get sober and drink a little bit and smoke weed. That's our mentality at that time. We and what we would call that is partying old school. Partying old school, smoking weed and drinking beer. 
Because that's how you started. But then you get caught up in these other things. But all these other drugs that you were talking about right now, about acid and, and coke and all these things when you were like, you know, in, in, as, a, as a kid, that's exactly the same stuff that's happening now with this generation right oh, yeah. now. And they're doing this stuff in like fourth grade, fifth grade. I mean, it's nothing. It's like what did what King Solomon say? There's nothing new under the sun. Same times, just different different days. What's crazy about this, everything you're talking about, you know, deep being a drug addiction, I mean, this is when you're blowing up and there, there, there's fame involved too. I mean, that must have been crazy. I mean, because you're traveling all over the place, you know, girls, the whole thing, battling with this addiction. I mean, and when you're having success in your life, I mean, I'm sure that's a th- way that can really just blind you even more so. Hey, a little, a, a young kid with, with a pocket full of cash, Smoking and exactly. hooking up with chicks—that's all you Traveling want when you're the young. world without your parents. Yeah, that's all you Starting want. Starting my own company at seventeen, making hundreds of thousands. Yeah, what could go wrong, right? Exactly. Well, you know what? This is where you know the peer pressures of life for everybody. Right. It, no one's privy to it not happening to them. Yeah. And this is where you know I had it. It a uh, obviously a. a uh, a bigger, bigger force. I mean, I was dealing with the fame, the, the money, young, and and everybody putting me out on a pedestal saying I'm the best in the world and they want it. You know, these things can really cloud your priorities. And it did for me, you know, because I was so talented and gifted, I could party and I could rage and then I could enter a contest and still place, you know, whether it was first or second place and and, and feel like I was... I was still ahead of the game, but really there was something missing inside me. I was searching for my identity. I always mm. tell people you, you truly don't know your identity until you're in Christ because, you know, you don't know who you really are because there isn't a, a, a true truth to, to your purpose here. And it was me trying to find it. And it was through the money, so through true. the girls, through the fame, through the awards, the trophies, the invention me inventing maneuvers to Guinness Book of World Records. And I mean, I was like putting that stuff in and I would say, you know, I'm like, I was like a bucket full of holes and I just kept putting that stuff in and it just kept draining out, draining out. And I need to do it over and over again. I need, if I didn't do that, I was like, man, I suck, man. I, I need to step it up. I need to, you know, and you, and you get down on yourself. Next thing you know, you're like, What's wrong with me? I need to, and, and then you feel like a loser almost. I'm in second place instead of first this time, and you're hard on yourself because you really don't understand that that you know you have a purpose bigger than just your accomplishments. Mm-hmm. And yet, I was trying to find it in those places, and I tell you, it, I could not find. You know, J- Mick Jagger says, "I can't get no satisfaction." Mm-hmm. Right? right. Yep. I couldn't get no satisfaction, and and I was looking for I was looking for that peace that the Bible says that surpasses all understanding, you know. And and in Philippi, and I'm telling you, I searched for it. Hmm. Literally, I was a good kid, good parents, had great morals, generous, uh, had integrity to obviously. There was no boundaries on what I did as a, you know, choices I made, but I didn't hurt people. I didn't steal. I was, I was very helpful. I wanted to teach people, you know, I had all those attributes, but those attributes were for me. They weren't because I wanted to glorify God. I was trying to get the glory. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. so I always say I was searching for love in all the wrong places. Mm. You know, and everyone's looking for true love. 
you know, but here I, and it's funny, here comes Valentine's Day. It, it just popped up <laughs> that, you know, it's one of those days that is either, either amazing or it's depressing. Yes. Because love is something that, you know, we live on, you know, and for me, I was trying to find it and I could not find it. And, and I was just, I always say I was like spreading myself out thin. You know, it was the prettiest girl at first. Then it became the most girls. And then I was like, <laughs> how I can relate to this story. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and, and then I was like, man, I, I own it all, but I don't own anything. Yeah. You true. know, and, and at the end of the day, I was the one losing. I was the one that my character was flawed and I didn't really understand, even though everybody said, oh, I wish I was you. Oh, you're the man. Oh, my gosh. Can you just get me into the club? Oh, dude, I wish. You know what I mean? And, but this, there was something missing. There was like this big void in my heart yeah, yeah, that totally. only I knew. Mm-hmm. But at the time, I couldn't put my finger on it. There, there was no real, like, I didn't, I wasn't aware. I didn't grow up in church. I never read a Bible. There wasn't somebody who was pouring into me, mm-hmm. talking to me about God's love. And so I was trying to find it in all those places. And that's what happens when you come up and you become faint, talented. Right. You have all these peer pressures, and I fell for it. And it just engulfs you. If you're tuning in right now, this is live with Ryan Reese. We're in studio here with Christian Osoy. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions on some of the things we're going to be talking about. Christian's gone through a lot of stuff in his life. Many of you guys know his testimony. He actually just came up with a, a new book called Osoy, My Life as a Skateboarder, Junkie, Inmate, Pastor. Pretty amazing uh, title there. If you want to call in, call in at 888 564 6173. Again, the number is 888-564-6173. Right here, just kind of overviewing his uh, history at, as a skateboarder. And then also on the book, it says junkie, kind of talking about that as well, but also as an inmate. You know, talk about like, you talked about like, uh, you know, everything that went through with the fame, with the success, being involved in something that you just excelled in. But talk about when the kind of like the wheels fell off. I mean, when it says inmate, tell the listening audience like what happened. Well, before we do that, yes, because that's the next thing. But what you said earlier is you you named uh, you made up some tricks, and this is important because you named up a trick called the Christ Air. Oh. So, because <laughs> that's interesting. You didn't it grow up in church. You don't know anything about the Bible. You're 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 uh, creating tricks, making tricks up, skateboard tricks. The Christ there. Tell us about that. Well, my name's Christian, right? Right. My nickname was Christ, cover a thrasher, Christ on the cover. Mm-hmm. Everyone called me Christ. I invented a maneuver called the Christ there, 85, 1985. And, and, you know, I thought God was good. Buddha's good. Religion's good. I'm good. Drugs are good. <laughs> Girls are good, right? Skateboarding's good. I just thought being a good person would allow you into this place called heaven if there was one. Hmm. So I was one of those karma people. I believed that there was a, a, a purpose to be good. So I didn't do anything bad. I was like this guy who didn't want because I thought you it would return to you. Yeah. And so whatever, I don't you know, I had great parents and I think that instilled in me to be a good person. But you know, there came this point where, you know, I, I, I didn't understand, you know, Jesus, the Bible. Hmm. I never prayed before I ate. I mean, my mom went to, you know, Christian school and she's like, when I, when I got saved in prison, I called up my mom, you know, and I was like, mom, 
guess what? She's like, what? I said, Jesus is real and he's alive and he wants a relationship with you. And she's like, what? <laughs> she's like, wait, what? I, I can recite Psalms 23 right now. And I'm like, really? She's like, yeah. She goes, I can't believe this is happening. She's like, I'm like, don't worry about it. It's not about, you know, now you're thinking, oh, wait, I didn't share this with you. I was like, you know what? That doesn't matter. What matters is you still have breath. And as long as you have breath, you have time to praise the Lord. And that means that you can accept Jesus. And I said, you need to accept Christ right now and his love and his forgiveness. And I want to lead you in a prayer. And I got to lead my mom to Jesus right there and there. And I said, you need to get into the word. You need to start. And she was like, I can't. I can't believe this is happening. She goes, it should be the other way around. She recognized at that very moment, that same conversation, that she should have been the one raising her child up in the Lord. And, you know, when they get old, they will not depart from Mm -hmm. it. Right. But Hmm. she immediately goes, you know what? I had a Bible on the shelf. Didn't you see it? (laughs) I was like, (laughs) Mom, it's all good. Yeah. I said, I'm telling you, (laughs) that's me. It's it's so funny, but at the same time, so like real to what's going on today. Parents aren't raising their. They're like, let them choose. I'll let them grow up and let them choose. I don't want to force them because if I force them, they're going to end up hating it and they're going to end up doing something completely different. And and it's so backwards, you know, that people think that that's what would happen i mean we're the examples we're like their role we're like their their heroes my children i'm their like hero yes and i need to set the example for them and so for me that's what i do now but not growing up in church do you see how things get next thing you know it's like you know we're good people Mm. and i think that's where my mom and my dad and then i got to lead my my father to jesus too you know he was you know grew up Got into art school, graduated with a master's degree, fine art, Berkeley, you know, went on to, you know, obviously support me in my my career, mm-hmm. but his intelligence was super intellectual. And mm-hmm. so his idea was, I remember talking to him, I go, what do you think about uh, is God, is it God or is it evolution? He goes, it's both. And I was like sweet <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. it was like a simple conversation like that i think yeah. i was like 15 years old i think i had this vision like am i like a prophet or <laughs> you know i remember thinking yeah. by myself like ah oh, might be like something like a god or something <laughs> i mean you know that's crazy the amount of like church i heard yeah. you know and i didn't know anybody who went to church yeah hollywood venice mm. beach yeah there's skateboarding no there was nobody who would even admit it if they went to church. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. With what we were doing yeah. and how much you know pressure we put on people. But I got to lead my father to wow. Jesus. And it was simple as like, hey, Dad, I remember you saying that to me. And he's like, wow. And I go, he goes, you know, I read, I've read the Bible, you know, through art, art history. You know, he was a major. Obviously, he studied it. But then I got to say, you know what? He's alive. Hmm. And he wants to have a relationship with you. Hmm. You need to read the book of John. And I said, then come see me Hmm. at my next visit. I'm in prison, right? Oh, you're... (laughs) I'm in prison. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just arrested. You know what I mean? And I'm like telling him, you need to read the Bible now. And I got an hour (laughs) visit. And I'm like, Dad... He's like, really? Mm, All right. You know, you need money on your book? You know? (laughs) Yeah. 
you know, when you're in jail, they're trying to support you. You know what I mean? And I'm over here trying to minister to them, you know. And I remember the next visit, him coming to the visit, and it was like, he's like sitting there shaking. He's like crying, tears in his eyes. And I went, Holy Ghost, you you read the Bible, didn't you? And he goes, will you forgive me? Wow. And because there was a lot of guilt, there was a lot Mm -hmm. of like, you know, shame because of how he raised me. I mean, I was smoking weed with my dad at 10 years old. Yeah, I think that was in the video. I I think he taught me and, you know, my bros how to, you know, roll joints and like, here you go. And I mean, I was doing every drug underneath the sun with him because we were bros. You know what I mean? And in a culture like skateboarding in L.A. at the time, growing up, you know, we were the test babies. You know what I mean? He grew up in the 60s like first 60s parents let's raise our children like this you know and here i am that product but yet now i'm saying you know god is real and then it hit him and i said doesn't that feel good i said let me pray with you got to lead my parents to jesus and it was probably one of the the greatest things that god could have ever given me in my life because i'm an only child Oh, cool. And so my mom went on to be with the Lord like around five years ago and sang with her, prayed with her prior to her, you know, being in the presence of God. And and, and to know that I'm going to see her once again is like such a gift mm-hmm. that the hope. I, mm-hmm. I'm just like, God, you are so good. And, you know, these, these mm-hmm. are the things that happen, you know, through, I mean, we're just talking about the Christ there. Which led to all this. Yeah. But it was that moment where I had this encounter like, wait a minute. I finally opened up the Bible for the first time. I mean, I'm fast tracking. Yeah. And let, yeah. let's just, I'll do it real quick. Two, that, that's like, fine. They, like, people have to buy like your a, book like anywhere 30, to get the whole story. Like a 30 second. <laughs> like I went from trying all the good things, being the best in the world, didn't satisfy me. I did all the, the crazy pleasurable things. Trying to money satisfy me, girls satisfy me, popularity satisfy me, didn't satisfy me. Finally, I was like, all the good things ain't working. I'm going to try the bad things. Drug addiction was on the list. And I went into heavy-duty drug addiction, got into crystal methamphetamine, did it for like eight years straight every single day from 92, 93, all the way to 2000. And... I was trying to find that contentment and I was like, and I was searching for my identity. I was like, maybe I'll like, you know, write the new song. Maybe I'll become like this famous artist. Maybe I'll like become like a superstar actor. You know what goes through your head when you're trying to find it and Mm -hmm. everything that makes people feel good, what the world tells you, you need to be those things. So I was like, man, I need to do those things. And really in my heart, I was like, it ain't working. And through the drugs and getting stuck in that rut of saying, I'm going to quit tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. It just kept going, kept going to the point where, you know, partying was kind of like at the bottom of the list, you know, rage, family, friends, skateboarding, partying. That list turned upside down. Next right. thing you know, it was partying at the top of the list, family at the bottom, didn't want to go see them because you're all shameful, guilty, mm-hmm. you're looking ragged, ragged, you know what I mean? But yeah. yet you're trying to figure it out, and that was me. And I finally landed in prison carrying a bunch of drugs on an airplane. And 
it it was like my whole world came crashing down. But it was like big amounts, right? What'd you what'd you get? Oh, it was like a pound of meth on an airplane. That is insane. <laughs> I got a question. How did you transfer it? How, how, was it was it? in a hip sack, right in on a hip me. Sack. Yeah, that's Just, insane. You know. Who does that? Well, I was like, I traveled to Hawaii a thousand <laughs> times. Yeah. They never searched me. Why would they search me again? Yeah. You know, and I thought I was untouchable. That's but crazy. in that moment, when you go- fall into something that, like, rock bottom, mm-hmm. I was like, what? And this is where I'm coming back to the Chrysler because I remember getting on the phone, my first phone call to my wife, Jennifer, and I was, like, crying on the phone. First, I go into prison. And like, Christian Soy, what's up? I saw you on the news. We knew you were coming. Dude, I had your board. What's <laughs> up, bro? And I was like, dang, what are you here for? He's like, murder. I was like, yo, <laughs> sweet. <laughs> you know, what do you say to a guy, right? And he's like 20 years old. And I'm like, dude, how long you got to do? What? And he's like, I'm doing 130 years, double life sentence. I'm never going home, bro. And I was like, what is where am I? Why am I here? I was like, isn't there like a lower like place that I need to go? I just carried a bunch of drugs. And I was like, well, how long? Because they were telling me I'm going to look at 10 years. And I was like, 10 years? No way. And, you know, I'm in Hawaii. So these guys are interrogating me. They're trying to tell me to, you know, give up some information. And I was like, yeah, easy, Dano. Book them, Dano. You know, I was thinking in my head, yeah, right. I'm going to do 10 years. But then I got there and they're like, dude, you're going to do 10 years. Walk in the park, bro. You'll be out of here in no time compared to my sentence. Years and I was like, I was like, years. I was like, yeah, you're right. And I, <laughs> yeah, you're right. As he's crying, I was like, <laughs> it's true. You know yeah. what I mean? And I called my wife and I told her, and I was like, look, I'm looking at ten years, and she's like, you know what? I love you. We got to just trust in God. And I was like, God. God, I'm not dying. I said, I need an attorney, babe. I need bail. You know what I mean? You know, I go, I I need to get bail. And she's just like, no, we got to trust in God. Go get a Bible. And I was like, boom, all those spiritual markers. My name, Christian, nicknamed Christ. I invented the Christ there. I've never read a Bible in my life. I'm going to go get a Bible. First, like, night in prison. Go get a Bible. Open it up. It's all Genesis. I'm like... Star Trek movie. <laughs> what? I was like, back of the Bible, Revelation. I'm like, what is that? Yeah. Never had one of those. Yeah. Got to John. I'm like, John? Who's Luke? John? I'm like, I don't like those names, right? I was like, <laughs> boring names, right? I got to Psalms. I'm like, Psalms? <laughs> I'm like, what are these words, these titles of books, Proverbs? I was like, this is crazy. And I and I flipped and I got to Kings, literally like flipped it, like just opening it up like this, like yeah. trying to find something. Got to Kings and I was like, dope, Kings, I'm a king. You know what I mean? In yeah. my pridefulness. Yeah, totally. Still in a... In, in a prison cell, prideful. Yeah. Like, this, re- I relate to this. But it was, when I opened it up to First Kings, it, it, it was where David was going to go on, and, mm. and, and he charged his son, and he said, Solomon, if you'll follow the Lord all the days of your life, it'll prosper you. And there will always be a king on the throne. And, and you have to obey the commandments of the Lord and he will give you the, the Basically, he was and, and it was like, boom, the scales fell off my eyes. I realized that I, ha- I and it was the Holy Spirit. Yeah, absolutely. Two cha- second chapter, never read a Bible. And 
boom, the light bulb came on and I knew why I was there. It was the choices that I was making in my life and that it was because of that I was in a position where I was at, just like if Solomon would have not obeyed. And that's where I started. That's where I started. And I ripped through the Bible that first night. I mean, literally like read 20 chapters and I was like, what? And I'm crying out to God. And you know, when you're ever at that rock bottom place, you're like, you start making vows. You're like, I'll never do drugs again. I'll go speak to, you know, young, I'll, I'll use my life and my talents. I was like, I mean, literally like letting it all out, crying, just get me bail. I'll come back. I'll do the time. And I went to court. They're like bail hearing. They're like, uh, dead, you know, threat to society, danger to the community, no bail. And I was like, didn't I make yeah. a deal with you? <laughs> Whatever happened like, to that, yeah. I was like, you know, but in my heart, I knew I meant it. The Bible says if you'll search for God with your whole heart, you'll find him. Mm. And that night, first night, I was searching for God, and I was serious. I was sincere. And I felt God come into that cell, and I knew that God had a plan for my life. And that was where it started for me in my relationship with Jesus. And all of a sudden, all those spiritual markers Christian Christ, Christ there, they meant so much more to me. And now it was ironic, but yet now I understand. I was like, wow, you're going to, what? And that's where I just obviously ripped through the Bible, said the sinner's prayer with my wife's uncle, Chris uh, Swain from City Lights Dream Center in Santa Ana. And uh, it was like all the guilt, all the shame, all the hurt, all the pain just came off my shoulders and I was free. For the first time in my life, I was free in prison. You know, everybody says it's such a shame. Christian went from freedom to pr- prison. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I always say it's the opposite. Oh, I went from, Hold on, hold on. I Wait, went from... Hold that thought. We are, we are at the break. We will be back literally in two minutes with Christian Hassan. I'm not done. <laughs> More live with Ryan Race coming up. Everything all right? Call now. 1-888-564-6173. Or post your questions using the hashtag LiveRyanReese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Uh, I think I speak for the entire administration when I say whoop-de-doo. Now, back to live with Ryan Reese. Don't say what I warn you. Loud noises! We are back in studio with Christian Asoy. He's telling his story how he found God. But before we go on, I want to plug his book. He has a book called uh, Asoy, My Life as a Skateboarder, Junkie, Inmate, Pastor. He also has a movie called uh, Rising Sun, which I've seen that, that movie a few times. It's super epic. You can find him on uh, Christian Asoy, at Christian Asoy, um, through any of the social channels. So let's go ahead and just pick up uh, where you have this encounter. You're in jail. You open the Bible, you're reading Matthew, you're like, I don't like that name, Luke, I don't like that name, Genesis, what is the Star Trek, Revelations, you're just over these Bible names, and then finally you open to Kings, and the Holy Spirit speaks to you, pick up from there. You know, and then, I mean, literally, I ripped through the Bible, and really knew that God had a plan for my, I knew it was my choices that got me to where I was at, mm-hmm. and it was going to be my choices that get me to where I want to be. And God, through his, his, you know, just Holy Spirit, gave me that revelation that it was going to be my allegiance and my commitment, my loyalty, my, my integrity, my faith that was going to take me to where I want to be. 
to the destination. And when God infiltrated my heart and just radically just transformed my life, it was like I received his love and it was like, boom, I knew that God loved me. I knew he had a plan for my life. And I said, how do I respond to that? And he says, those who love me obey my commandments, you know, and in John chapter 15, yep. verse four, 14, verse 15. And it was like simple for me. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, so that's how I, you know, the byproduct of me believing that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins, taking the place, the penalty that I deserve for the sin that I committed, mm-hmm. right? That it was going to be my response to me having a revelation of the gospel, him taking my place. And so for me, it was just like, I get it. So my obedience reveals my faith and my allegiance. And it was just so simple for me. It, it didn't, it, it wasn't like I was trying to negotiate with God. Well, how, how good can, can I be? Yeah, what's you the know, line? You know, <laughs> where, how, how, how bad can I get to where you won't kick me out, you know, and, and not, you know, want me to go to heaven and, and how much, you know, do you want me to be so that I do get it? It's not like that. It's a relationship with God, and it was built on my love back to him by understanding his love for me. And so, you know, that's that's where it's like, you know, when we go back to like, you know, when I got hit with the gospel by opening up the word, it really is that word became living and active, like it says in Hebrews, mm-hmm. and able to discern the, the, the intents of man's heart. And I was like, it was all in like literally that first sitting and I cried out to God and I say, God, if you're real, will you help me come into my life? And it was like I I immediately like went on this journey, you know, and it was like when I gave my life to Jesus, I said it just a minute ago. It was like all the guilt, all the shame, all that fell off me. And I realized that God had a plan for my life. And, and now I've still got to do, you know, 10 years of prison time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait a minute. All of a sudden. I felt this freedom. I felt this liberty. I felt like God was, you know, using me right where I was at. Some people out there, you know, who serve God even are like, man, am I in the right place? Where you're at is where God can use you. Yep. You you never underestimate the purposes that God could use you where you're at. So many people mm-hmm. are looking to try and do so big things for God. And God's like, wait, I'm trying to use you right now. People think that you have to be a pastor or you have to yeah. go to Africa. No. God will literally use you, like yeah. you said, right, right where you're at. Yeah, and so important though, because people people get sidetracked. They think, oh, yeah. oh how is God going to use me? Who am I? I I I flip burgers down here, or I work at a skate shop, or what? No, God will use you right and, there. And after I gave my life to Christ, it was like I was finally free for the first time in my life. I felt free. You know, everyone says it's such yeah. a shame. Christian went from freedom his whole life, having everything on a silver platter. Every, you know, I, I just thought everybody wanted to be me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was the coolest thing next to, you know, whatever. You know, and here I am in a cell for the first time in my life. I got set free. And, you know, the Bible says who the sun sets free is free indeed. indeed. And I read that scripture and I knew that that was me. And here I am sitting in a cell and I I always tell everybody, you know what? I was in prison my whole life Hmm. living in sin and death on the edge of 
spending eternity separated from God, if any, I mean, I was addicted to crystal meth for eight years, doing it every day, up for three days at a time, you know, trying to just find peace, trying to find true love, looking for it in all those dark places because I couldn't find it at the top of the hill. Let's go find it in the valley. And here I am standing. And when I got set free, it was like, it was for the first time. And I say, for the first time, I was free. And it was in a prison cell. <laughs> That's insane. You know That's what awesome. I mean? Yep. And now I'm walking to Chow, smiling. I felt like I was beaming. You know, you know when you see a pre- yeah, you know what it means to see a pregnant lady. Currently <laughs> <laughs> at the moment, Ryan, uh, yes. Ryan knows. He, if you he, if you just tuned in, you're listening to live with Ryan Reese. I have uh, Christian Asoy in studio, just chopping it up. Yeah, and 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 it was like for the first time. I was free. And that's what God wants to everyone to experience when when you give your life to to God and you you accept the forgiveness that that by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, that we have the remission of sins and that because of that, we have eternity. You know, my citizenship is in heaven. Mm -hmm. I'm just passing through. You know what I mean? And it's going to take me to walk out my faith from here to there. And and that is is the is the the example that we set for other people you know what i mean and, and for me i'm taking on that because i want to see all my friends i want to see all my family i want to see everyone that i know everybody who loves skateboarding everybody that that is listening to my voice to accept god's love and we'll spend eternity together yep. you know what i mean and, and it's not like it's just heaven is way up there at the end of our lives but Heaven is right here, right now. See, I'm already walking. Here, here's the thing that I got a revelation of, that I'm already walking in eternity. See, I already know I have eternal life. Mm-hmm. And so my faith acts like I know that. So faith, act, you know, we hope for that, you know, day that we're going to see God face to face. But see, I'm acting like it right now. And through my faith, I'm, I'm actually walking in true contentment. And that's the peace that surpasses all understanding, right. knowing that I'm saved, knowing that I'm forgiven. And, and, and that's where I see so many people that say they're Christians aren't experiencing. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not that they're not saved. It's just that they're not experiencing some heaven right here on earth. I think you that's know? so important, too, because first thing is like one thing you're talking about finding freedom in, in a prison cell is because for so many years of your life, even though you had all this stuff, you're carrying a burden and there's a pressure and, you know, even the, the Bible says that Jesus says, come to me, all you heavy laden, carrying a burden that you can't bear any longer, I'll give you rest. And when that peace happens in your life, perspective changes. You're like, even though my circumstances are, are jacked up right now, though I'm in a prison cell, like I have peace. Like he's talking about having a smile, walking to the chow hall, you know, getting news. Oh, but you still facing prison time. You're able to make it through all of those things because as P- I've, been, I've just been going through Peter right now. And first Peter, it says we have been brought into a, a living hope and somebody that has hope where there's light at the end of the tunnel, knowing no, my circumstances might be tough. I'm going to make it through. And even says there in Peter that there, there is an inheritance that is incorruptible and undefiled. And there's a place reserved in heaven just for you. As a name, your name is written on that reservation. In the book of life. Yeah, in it's, the book of life. It's literally written in the book of life. And you can have peace with God no matter what you're going through. Mm-hmm. You know, I love that phrase because I felt like it just really clicked with everything you were saying, Christian. That it says that the Lord did not come to make 
bad people good. He came to make dead people live. Yes. And that is the key to the gospel. Before Christ, even though you might be having the party life, you might be out there right now, think you have everything going through. But you know what? If you really do inventory in your life, you're dead, spiritually dead. I think yeah. it's I want to I want to jump in here because there's something you said about identity. And mm. I think that that burden that a lot of people carry is that identity. You're trying to identify yourself and that's when you pick up all these other burdens. You go along with peer pressure mm-hmm. or drinking or drugs or this and that cuz you're or you're just trying to do these things to find your identity. Like I listen to this music. I know me and you we do we grew up listening to the Doors and Hendrix and right. Zeppelin and we and we, we took tons of Beatles, hundreds of everything. hundreds hundreds of hits of LSD and I mean we were like we found you know at a young age we found our identity in this like for sure. LSD movement, mm-hmm. you know, smoking weed and stuff for since we were young, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, we kind of carried that out through our whole our lifetime um till we found Jesus, but we found our identity in this. And how, that's the problem is so many people find their identity in, in music that they're listening to. But the thing is, is you got to find your identity in Christ. When I gave my life to Christ, just like you, Christian, just like you, Sean, all of those burdens and all that weight I was carrying, I was set free. And it took a while for me to learn and see who I was in Christ. And once I realized who I was in Christ, I don't care what anyone thinks. Exactly. I can care less because you know why? My name is written in the book of life and Christ is my Lord. And he has given me, he, he showed me what I was created for. I'm living out what I was created for. And that's amazing. I could be with my friends that are, I have friends that are millionaires. I have friends that are billionaires. And uh, thank God, you know, most of them are Christians. But there's a lot of them that have tons of money, rich. And you look at them and they're just uneasy. Mm-hmm. They don't they don't know why they were created. They don't they're still finding their identity in money or in their business or their their you if you don't want to know where you can find your identity, my my chick's freaking hot. Right? Well here's the my str- chick's hot. I, I believe here's the struggle. It, right. it's like Ecclesiastes says that eternity has been planted in every man's heart. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and you know, that seed is there. But until that seed is germinated by the gospel. It is when the identity gets revealed mm-hmm. because, you know, it's there. God created everything. Everything that was made was made because, you know, he created it for his pleasure. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I'm looking at that and I'm like, okay, so mm-hmm. if it's placed in every man's heart, it needs to be germinated with the gospel. And that's why, you know, when Romans says, you know, how are they going to hear unless one preach? How are they going to, unless one sent, you know, happy are the feet of those who preach the God. You know, these are the things that are so pertinent to the culture of the church, of what Jesus Christ, you know, planted before he left the mission, the great commissions that he said before he left, go out and preach the gospel to every nation, you know, mm-hmm. and, and creature. And, and for me, it's like, it's so, so simple, but mm-hmm. yet, you know, here we are like, you know, trying to, trying to, you know, figure it out. Mm-hmm. But I think that people are, are so they're they're at their they've tried everything yeah. social media google oh this gosh, google yeah. that i mean they're ex, they're they're experts at everything in like a minute <laughs> right you know what true. i mean and so here's this this generation of people now that are searching for love and they've exhausted every avenue mm. 
And now I see a, a, a revival happening in people where they're wanting truth. And I'm seeing yeah. young people rise up and they're like taking their place in the kingdom because the Bible is real. Jesus is real. The, the, the Holy Ghost is real. Eternity's real. The devil's real. Angels are real. And people are really starting to like see it because we're actually going out there and exhibiting we're 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 the examples of of what god is doing we're the manifestation of his presence yep Mm -hmm. and so for 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 me it's like you know how how do we reach people how do we you know break down the doors of of people's hearts well it's not going to be me it's going to be god's love that that yep you know really permeates and and touches them but we have to be able to be the example and so that's where how are we in the example if we're if we're not tuned in reading praying and tuned into god's presence how are we going to be the example if you're not tuned into the source you're going to be a man walking by the flesh well (laughs) you know you want people to be worshipers but if you're not you know, in the front, you know, raising your hands, you know, singing and in God's presence and, and glorifying God. And, and I'm not saying everybody worships the same. You uh-huh. know what? One person may be laid down face down on the carpet and that's their worship. Another person's sitting there on his knees praying. Another person is just closing their eyes. But yep. but for me, I'm excited. I'm like on fire. Me, I'm like, man, let's t- let's change this world that we live in. God, use me, Lord. And I'm like sitting there. And, and when I'm trying to, you know, teach young people how to love the Lord, you know, we got to be the I can't tell people, sure. oh, you need to be more more uh, uh, uh you need to have a lot of more worship you need to pray more mm. well if i'm not doing it right. how am i supposed to you know you know i always say we can't um um reproduce you know who we aren't right yeah oh, no. see I, I, give, I, yeah. I can only reproduce who i am that's why my kids i want them to be just like me today back in the day you know what i mean i don't know what parents were thinking they're like yeah just don't do as i do do as i say but yet they're the you know they're doing everything. Don't Walking drink, don't smoke, but they're doing it, and don't they're trying smoke, to tell honey. their twelve-year-old. And you're wondering why they're popping pills, and they're wondering why their kids are doing. Oh my gosh, I can't believe they're doing it. Mm. You know, and, and so we need to be the example for other people to go. Wait, it's possible. Right. Wait, there's hope. You know what? It, it's 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 not too difficult. I like what what you said right now is like in the times we're living in today, social media, all that kind of stuff, you can get so much information so quickly. Uh, There's so many surveys that are out there through Facebook, social media. You can connect all across the world right now, instantly. Mm -hmm. But there is more depression. There is more loneliness, even though people can communicate with everyone as much as possible. You know, back in the day when we were younger, man, we didn't have cell phones, you know, when you're really young. I mean, you'd have to really plan to see someone and, you know, you want to talk to these people off the cuff all the time. Now you have more communication, you have more like relationship, but so many people. Yeah, you had one, empty, bu- you had one right? bully at school trying to bully you and you dealt with it versus like, you know, trying to find likes and then somebody like, you know, whether you have hundreds or thousands of friends <laughs> yeah. on Facebook is you're dealing with that at a high level and you don't even know them, right. but yet they're pummeling you and you feel rejected. I you feel lonely. You f- and people are committing suicide. Kids 
yeah. are literally committing suicide because they feel like they're no good. And because their the identity is being focused upon things like that, on what you know, people it's shaping think of them, them, on what people life, do think of them. The yeah. image that is being portrayed is all superficial, and that's what we're all getting to right now. And this is what you were saying earlier about Solomon nothing new under the sun. Satan uses all of these distractions, all of these obstacles in our life to blind us of, of reality. And when the only thing that can take that down, we know, is the truth of the gospel, man. We're, we're just. You know, cutting it up here in the studio with live with Ryan Reese with Christian Soy and Ryan just talking about a lot of stuff. We got we got a couple of calls. I want, I want to take these calls because I mean we it. could sit here and talk all night. Christian, we're gonna have to have you back um, again. I know you're local, so we'll do that. I just had my wife uh, texting me this quote that she sent me this morning, and it goes along to uh, goes along with what you just said. Your words mean nothing when your actions are the complete opposite. Hmm. It's true. Well, words mean that, you know, it's where we get the, you know, obviously the the definition of that is hypocrite, mm-hmm. you know, poser, you know poser, what I mean? Exactly. And skateboarding <laughs> is poser, you know, and, and and that's where, you know, we called them out. That's why I love that, because in my skateboarding culture, we would always point that out. We'd heckle that person and then, you know, they bail. And in Christianity, I became that guy where I was like, man, you know. Here I am listening to people say stuff, but their actions are saying something else. And and I'm not one to judge. I'm not a judgmental Christian. I'm not critical of how people, you know, uh, uh, are are Christians. But yet I noticed that it's so compromisable to the point of it's hypocritical. And that's where I get a little bit like, you know, angry, not to the point of sin. But I'm like, you know, I have this, you know. Uh, a righteous indignation where I'm like, man, why? How come these people, you know, and, and to me, I just want to figure out, you know, and this is the challenge. I'm always trying to challenge myself on how to love more, how mm. to reach out more, how to just be a better listener. How can I, you know, break down the gospel in, in ways for people that never heard the gospel? Mm. How can I minister to people who live a certain lifestyle or came from my old lifestyle and really connect with it immediately? You know what I mean? Because when I got out, I was like, man, I want to just, you know, see everyone get saved. And I'd be to the point where I'm like, you know, trying to convince people, you know what I mean? And I was like, Captain, save everybody. Mm. You know what I mean? I had this like just just yearning to like I was like zealous. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was young in the Lord on fire and I was like I'm going to get you to say the prayer. You know what I mean? And I finally figured it out through, you know, experience of doing it that it was God that was going to do it. It was going to be me understanding who I am in Christ and the confidence that I have in what God can do, not what convincing words are going to do the work of the holy spirit and and now i can you know just love people and they respond like a hundred percent more you know what i mean and it's it's good to do it through love for sure and you see god move in it it's like can i get in on this christian (laughs) you know he's like can i get in on this can i uh you know be a part of uh, helping him get saved and i'm like wait i got this god i got this god just just check this out you're gonna be proud of me you know what i mean And, and, and you know i love that when i see that but yet when you mature in your faith and really getting you know more 
more sensitive to God and his Holy Spirit. Now I'm like, God, you know, I'm, you know, the Bible says to be in prayer, you know, uh, uh, you know, all the time, right? Pray without ceasing. Without ceasing. Yeah. And, and for me, that's what, what I'm doing now. And, you know, instead of just going, okay, I'm going to pray now, you know, I walk around and immediately I see, and I'm, I'm immediately in prayer. And then sure enough, God opens the door. Next thing you know, you know what? There's this interaction and then God shows up and God shows, how's this? God, God shows, shows up, up. Yes. you know, and, and, and you join in on what God's doing and then you're a part of, you know, the work of the ministry. That, that's what it's all about. Um, we're going to take this call. Uh, if you just tuned in, we have uh, Christian Hasoy in studio. This is live with Ryan Reese. Got my boy, McKeon, always chilling. So we're going to go ahead and take this call. Elliot from Santa Ana. What's up, Elliot? Okay. Let's see. Let's see Santa if we're gonna have, Ana, let's, local. Let's see if um, this thing works Hello? again. Hey, hey there, there you, you are, are Elliot. How you doing, Elliot? What's your hey, question tonight? Hey, how you guys doing? Doing good. Just chillaxing. Um, well, I do have to kind of share something before my question. Um, my family has been going through a bit of a, um, a tragedy. My brother um, was in an accident a few years ago, and um, it culminated to a big trial, and the trial's over, and he's looking at a pretty lengthy uh, prison sentence. And uh, the way that I found my peace with that is through skateboarding and through Christian Hasoy. Oh, um, You know, through your documentary, and, uh, you know, I found it very inspirational. But I, I'm calling now basically for encouragement and uh, to see what you would... Uh, what you would think that I could do to help my family and to find strength in this. Well, we got, we got three I, minutes I, left. I tell you, prayer is the most powerful thing you can do. And then, you know what, like I've been talking about, being an example of faith and, and hope and love and, and really encouraging your, your brother to, to, you know, find his identity in Christ and to be able to, no matter where he's at, you know, if he's doing, you know, it was the best thing that ever happened to me going to prison because it saved me. I'm going to now live forever. I'm going to see my mom again. I'm, I know that, that I'm going to war the warfare and I'm going to I'm going to fight the good fight of faith all the way to the end because I understand that heaven is real, hell's real. But for you, I think you need to just be encouraged that God can use you in this and that through, you know, not just skateboarding, but through your faith and through believing in God and what Jesus Christ wants to do in this situation because in a situation like this God can show up and really radically change everyone's life but if your life isn't changed and you're not fully in, 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 in anchored into you know the hope of uh, of eternal life and Jesus well then how's your brother going to stay focused on you know being strong and courageous through whatever prison time and so I encourage you, prayer is the most powerful thing, and then you being the example for him, you know, and it's not just him. It's everyone around you. Uh You can affect all those who know you and meet you, and you could help others because eternity, you know, other people's eternity is connected to your life. And when I realized that, I wanted to make sure that everyone that I came in contact with, that I was going to plant that seed of hope in them, and that I was going to one day be in heaven. They're going to go, man, just like you said, man, Christian Asoy encouraged me. I've seen his documentary. And you know what? I'm in heaven because of that one day. And they can do that 
because of your life as well. We we have one minute left, so right I'm going to go ahead. Sorry, want to want to lift him up in prayer? Yeah. What's your brother's name? Yeah, his name is Danny. All right, and your name? Elliot. Lord, I lift up Danny and Elliot to you, and I just pray that you would just use them, and that you know, even though he may go through the trials of of just the repercussions of whatever the course, I pray that you would radically save him, and that he would have peace, joy through 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 the this process, God, and and let him know my story that when I walked through prison, I was free for the first time in my life. And I pray that you would have angels around them. I pray that you would just bless the family in Jesus mighty name. All right. Well, that was an amazing show. Thank you. Hasoy. God bless you, my man. We will see you guys next week. Take care guys. Peace. This has been live with Ryan Reese. To connect or find out more about Ryan, click on ryan-reese.com. Check us out next Saturday at 9 p.m. for Live with Ryan Reese. I found myself on a ledge three stories high at some condominiums, contemplating my life and struggling to understand my purpose. Have you ever found yourself on the ledge? My name is Billy Yates. I'm a caring father mentor and friend in my new podcast billy and the goat i share the life-changing events that shaped who i am today to remind you that no matter how far you've fallen god can help you get up and thrive listen now at lifeaudio.com